Hey guys, if you want updates on our latest episodes, then be sure to subscribe to the Film Colossus podcast on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Also, if you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, then subscribe to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey everybody, just wanted to let you know that we have a Patreon page at patreon.com slash filmcolossus. If you'd like to support the show and hear episodes ad-free, you can support us there for just three bucks a month. As our Patreon community grows, we'll be able to offer more perks that pertain not just to the podcast, but our website as well. Again, that's patreon.com slash Film Colossus. I'm Chris Lambert. And I'm Travis Bean. Welcome to Film Colossus. Your guide to movies. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did the finger guns again. I got to stop that. <laughs> I feel like we have to be like very uplifting and bubbly at the start of this episode <laughs> because, you know, the the themes of the movie that we're talking about. Kind of sad. Really? Because it's it's about capitalism. Every movie about capitalism these days is bright and cheery. <laughs> just a fun, roaring good time. Parasite, Shoplifters, Nightcrawler. I mean, those are all just fun times at the movies <laughs> you know when you put it that when you put it that way <laughs> there have been a lot lately they all were kind of fun too <laughs> yeah they were they were grand times as dark as they are there's just that little twinge of like <laughs> like uh, it's it's cheeky right like they're they're all a little a little satiric like they kind of poke fun at how ridiculous capitalism is Right, like Parasite being a dark comedy, <laughs> and then Nightcrawler being like the underdog story, but with a completely horrible person. <laughs> yeah, we've come a long way since Citizen Kane. Ah, uh, amazing. But Triangle of Sadness, uh, what a movie. I, I just want to get yeah, that out Yeah, I think you're a big fan of this, right? I, I am, especially... You know, rewatching it for this episode. I was a big mm. fan when I saw it in theaters. I forget what movie. Oh, yeah. My friend and I went and saw The Boy, not The Boy, uh, Ma- Goodnight Mommy. Oh, yeah. And we're just sitting there like, ugh. That movie would be called The Boys. Yeah, The Boys. The Little Boys. Uh, <laughs> Goodnight Mommy. We saw that. And then we were sitting there and we're like, well, in 10 minutes, the next movie that plays in this theater early that plays across the hall is triangle of sadness. Like, should we just go see it? And it happened to be the weekend that it came out, like was really excited and went in and saw it and went from supreme disappointment in Goodnight mommy <laughs> to just being so blown away and happy. And when I was rewatching it, I was just, reminded of how up my alley this movie is it is very much up your alley 
Yeah, there's movies that I watch where I'm like, this is a Travis movie. And I think this is probably you having the reverse experience. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and I will say, like, I could tell how inspired you were by it because like, your piece on it on Film Colossus is it's fantastic. Like, it, it really does break down what the movie is doing on a structural level. Um, so when you kind of look at the scope of it and what it's saying, like, it's saying a lot. It's trying to go after all these different areas. And if, like, I know anything about Christopher Lambert, like, that's what he wants. It's absolutely what a Chris Lambert is looking for and hoping for. <laughs> and for the record, I like when movies say lots of things, too. Um, but it's just, like, I think it's the path the movie can take is where we diverge. Yeah, that is definitely a divergence point for us. <laughs> yeah. For us. As we'll soon find out. Yeah. But I'm excited to talk about this because it's one that I saw, like... I guess near the end of last year, but it's kind of fallen off my just the distance from it. I kind yeah. of forgotten how like revved up I get about this movie and then rewatching <laughs> it. I'm just like, yes, yes, yes. Let's talk. Yeah. Um, so let's, let's start at the beginning uh, before you, did you pay for a ticket to go see a triangle of sadness or did you sneak in? <laughs> I did what any good anti-capitalist would do. No, I I, I paid. I have. I think at Alamo you kind of have to pay, don't you? Yeah, and I have the the Alamo Draft House movie pass, so oh, right. kind of didn't pay, but I kind of very much did pay. Right, you don't have to brag. <laughs> you know, I just I just got the movie pass. No big deal. <laughs> um. Okay, but so before you may or may not have snuck into this movie, uh, what did you know about the movie? Uh, what were your ex expectations? <laughs> okay. I have never seen another Ruben Uslan. Uslan? Mm -hmm. Osland? Um, I have not either. Film. I remember Force Majeure. I don't know how you say that either. Oh, my God. Um, Force Majeure, for Force Major, being sure. like highly acclaimed when it came out in 2014. Mm -hmm but I never saw it. And then The Square was another one that I remember seeing posters for it, people talk about it, but uh, I was kind of caught up in other work and did it get to it? Yeah. So Triangle of Sadness, Draft House just played the shit out of the trailer <laughs> for like months leading up to the movie. And it got mm. to the point where when the trailer would come on, I would just like put my head down or <laughs> look away. I was so tired of seeing it. And plus yeah. I knew I wanted to see the movie. So like seeing all the scenes over and over and over again, <laughs> you kind of start to, cause I was going to that theater like once a week yeah. for like months and it's playing every time I didn't want to learn what the movie was going to be. So I was excited for it. Then also just like a tiny bit annoyed just because of the seeing the trailer so much yeah right um but i i think i remember hearing good things about it after it premiered at Cannes or something well yeah it won the well it, it won the palm d'or which is uh is that can yeah, yeah that's can yeah that's yeah, right yeah. i was thinking it was uh but yeah obviously that's can yeah yeah so that was that was the first thing that put it on my on my radar yeah. like anything that wins the palm d'or i'm kind of just like oh i will we'll probably like this 
I'm that kind of person. <laughs> so I, I got, I feel like I want to look at the history and like see what movies have won recently. Let's see. Titan. I haven't seen Titan. Parasite, Shoplifters. Okay. So three of the last four movies they've rewarded have been about capitalism. It's <laughs> good to know. <laughs> uh, Blue's Warmest Color, I remember enjoying. Tree of Life. Okay. So they, they, uh, Peach Upon movie. Okay. They reward some good stuff. Yeah, and the square had previously won. Is he yeah. one of the only two-time winners? I would think it doesn't happen very often. Uh, Dardine. Oh, uh, they won twice. Yeah, uh, La Font and oh. Rosetta. Wow, I mean Rosetta. Shit, that's an amazing movie. All right, Palm Door, you get my vote of confidence. What a great history of award winners! Like, wow. Wild at Heart was the only one David Lynch won for. That's crazy. Paris, Texas won. Wow. Yeah, The Piano, Barton Fink. Yeah, I mean, this is like a who's who of like <laughs> Criterion movies. Yeah, Taste of Cherry. Yeah, it's uh, Kiarostami. Yeah, I knew wow. that you would like that. Fuck yeah. Kurosawa even won. Like, hell yeah. Although Pongo. Taste of Cherry is one of my least favorite Kiarostami movies. Anyway. Still. <laughs> Kiristami uh, getting recognized. Absolutely. I like that. Palm to Or. Look at you go. Yeah. Okay. So that that is definitely, that's a good thing. They win that. Like, I'm in. I want to see it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, were you seeing trailers? Like, when? what was your first, um, when did this uh, jump out to you? So didn't see the trailer in theaters because I, I wasn't going to the theater. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, right. You know, the pandemic and having a kid and everything. But um Definitely saw the trailer. I think I saw it one time on YouTube because my my wife and I will, will watch trailers on YouTube. And um, notoriously, my wife just instantly forgets trailers, like doesn't remember. And I'm like, oh, we should watch Triangle of Sadness. She's like, what's that movie? And I'm like, are you serious? Like, don't you remember the trailer <laughs> where like people are puking? And like, basically... The, basically, the thing I knew about this movie more than anything, the thing that stuck out to me was the puking. Like, yeah. I knew there was a scene where, like, everyone gets seasick. And I was just like, and I was kind of dreading the movie for that. Like, I am somebody who gets seasick. Um, <laughs> I get motion sickness. And not that, like, it's not like watching this movie is going to make me sick. But, like, I don't particularly want to watch that. Um, get that is That is a thing. Like, I can handle a lot of types of humor, but, like, I kind of have a hard time like laughing at like <laughs> defecation and like <laughs> puking and like, I don't know. It's just always something I'm just, I cringe a little bit when it happens in movies, but uh, yeah, but that's basically all I knew about it. I, I was interested in it. Um, my confidence that it would be good lessened when it got nominated for best picture. Uh, <laughs> Cause that's usually not a great sign. Um, but the fact that it won the Palme d'Or, like I, you know, I'm, I'm interested. I'm, I'm definitely going to watch it. I just didn't know. It, once I found out it was coming out on Hulu, I was like, I was kind of jacked. I was like, all right, finally, like I, I can just watch it, not for free. I pay for it, but it's the easiest way to watch it now. <laughs> yeah, it kind of surprised me how long it took for Triangle of Sadness to make it to streaming services. I mean, there aren't a lot of Best Picture nominees on streaming services, but, but you're right. It's been out for a while, so you would think it, it would have gotten there sooner. Yeah, the U.S. release date was October 7th. Oh, so, like, wow. it's been out for kind of a minute. Yeah. Um, um, so, 
I, but the thing I, I will say though is like I kind of didn't really I didn't really know what the movie was about. Like even though I'd seen yeah. the trailer, like it doesn't right. necessarily tell you what the movie is. Like I don't know. It, the the commentary is it's much richer than I expected and, and much yeah. more sprawling than I expected. Uh, whereas I thought the movie would be a little more focused. Like it's, it's much more sprawling. Yeah. That was the thing that really jumped out to me because so much of the trailers, the yacht, like the boat, the cruise, yeah. you kind of, I think my expectation was, okay, we start with like people boarding the ship and go out on the ship and see what like drama happens. The fact that we start though, I, the, Carl like H&M Balenciaga scene I did really love that in the trailer Mm -hmm. and so I knew that that was going to be part of it but just the opening scene of the movie (laughs) yeah is so incredible to me Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ready to elevate your home? Picture this. Central heating, a cozy fireplace, or your dream walk-in closet. Build a backyard oasis, go green with solar panels, or start a business. It's all possible with Figure's Home Equity line of credit. Unlock up to $400,000. Apply online in five minutes. Funding in as little as five days. Head to figure.com and transform your home. Figure Lending LLC, DBA Figure, Equal Opportunity Lender, NMLS 1717824. Terms and conditions apply. Visit figure.com for more information. For licensing information, go to www.nmlsconsumeraccess.org. I would say the first part one is, in my opinion, like the most enjoyable part. Yeah, I, I on rewatch, I think part three on my first watch was the one, The Island, mm. that amazed me the most because I was so happy that the movie went there. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> like, I didn't think it would have this whole third chapter where they're shipwrecked on the island. Um, from the trailer, you saw like a moment where they're on the island. So I was like, oh, probably the last like 10 minutes that are just like on this island. Um, yeah. But the fact that it's like a whole. It's a third of the movie. Yeah. A third of the movies on this <laughs> island was amazing to me. But on rewatch, the amount of work that that Carl and Yaya scene does and knowing thematically that this movie is about economic systems mm-hmm. or just systems in general and the way in which being in a different system changes who you are as a person, the playfulness of that opening scene took on a far more like deeper subtextual meaning, especially in that moment where the interviewer the documentary guy is saying like oh it's a moody brand like balenciaga and they go all serious and then h&m and you smile that right there encapsulates everything encapsulates (laughs) encapsulates everything that the movie is doing saying that who we are how we present ourselves changes based on the context of whatever system that we're in whatever role that we have in that system. So when you're in the system of Balenciaga, you're this person. When you're in the system of H&M, you're this person. When you're in this capitalistic system that 
uh, determines like your worth based on like how much money you have, you get treated like this. You act like this. When you're stuck on an island where the thing that makes you valuable is your survival skills, you get treated like this versus the way that the models get treated. Like the system dictates who we are and who we are does not dictate the system. And there's so much grandeur and scope and scale and depth of thought and amazingness that comes from having that as a premise in the way in which this movie explores it. I'm just blown away that every scene feels so casual, but is also incredibly pointed and purposeful in what it's commenting on and demonstrating. Yeah. I And the, the kind of key to all that is Carl. Like he's... Yeah somebody who like he's involved in each part and he's somebody who's he's like uh, uh, between him and yaya who uh, to me yaya is almost just more of like a an element of what carl's going through and like what he perceives he needs in life and like what he's going after like i I feel like the focus is really more on him as we move from situation to situation you know he starts with yaya where he's He's upset that she doesn't want to pay the bill and he's sick of this system, this gender based system where like he has to pay and like she gets to sit back and he's frustrated by that makeup. Then he moves on to the yacht where he's surrounded, but suddenly he's an equal to everybody. Yeah. Like he, he he is treated with the same, like if he gets upset about one of the workers on the yacht, that guy's going to get fired. Like all of a sudden he has this immense power and it's not like it just goes to his head or something like he's looking around and like doesn't really understand it he's trying to make sense of it um he's trying to figure out like why the system is this way and how he fits into it and then you move to the island where everybody's the same again except they're well i guess they're all under abigail's command and he realizes like how you can get ahead in this new system like he can suddenly be above everybody if he gets in with abigail and so each situation you kind of see him maneuvering around and like seeing how the the makeup of each system and how it evolves and why it can change and all that and yeah he becomes like the driving force of that commentary yeah uh, it's very well explained and i was laughing on the rewatch because I don't know if this is me over reading, but when he and Yaya are fighting and they get to the elevator, which the elevator moment is so, is so good. Like when the door closes and then it opens, um, she at one point takes the, the $50 bill and starts to stuff it down his shirts. And it's a moment that kind of reads a little bit like, he's being paid off for his services in a way like that you would pay Mm. a prostitute like kind of thing like she's putting money down his down his shirt and he recoils like why would you do that to me don't do that to me like don't put like stuff like down my clothes Uh, almost like he's a stripper like being used for his body and then at the end on the island he is used for his body like abigail is just using him and he's complicit looks and he's complicit and it plays on the fact that at the beginning he said he didn't want the traditional gender roles and now he's essentially like the (laughs) mistress to abigail like uh, the the traditional like 
feminine role in the dynamic, which amazing. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. Like we're talking about all these movies lately that have really made capitalism, uh, the central theme. And, and we're seeing, you know, just from the palm to or like the last three, three out of the last four movies that rewarded have had that theme. Like it's such a, it's such a moment for that, that it's been interesting to see like how all these different movies navigate it and explore the subtleties of it and the, the like essentially the cruelties of capitalism. Um, this movie, I feel like takes like, yeah, Parasite's a black comedy, but Triangle of Sadness feels more of like an actual satire to me. Like it reminded me a lot of, have you ever seen The Exterminated Angel? No, I've always been to. It's, that movie is incredible. Um, it's, I, I, I'll share it with you. And I don't remember the woman's name, but I read an article once about The Exterminated Angel and how um, it's basically based on Nishi's theory of psychoanalysis and how um, the idea that if you can like, if you revisit your past, if you recall these memories that you can, uh, well, I guess I should explain the plot of the movie for anyone who doesn't know it. Basically, the plot's very simple. <laughs> it's a bunch of rich people who show up to a dinner party. They get stuck and they, at the end of the night, when it's time for them to all leave, they don't leave. They just like all stay in the room and to the point where they start to just lay down and fall asleep. And the next morning, when it's definitely time for them to go, they don't go. And they kind of start freaking out. Like, nothing's stopping them from leaving. The door's right there, but they don't leave. And they can't figure out, like, why they're not leaving, yet they really want to leave. Um, <laughs> it's very... It's surreal. It's satire. It's it's just mocking... Um, I mean, it's mocking the bourgeoisie, of course, but it's it's also kind of getting at the, the psychological barriers we put in front of ourselves. Um, and I read this article that was all about like detailing Nietzsche's theory about psychoanalytics and like how people overcome these sort of dilemmas. Like when you're just, when you're just stuck in a problem that's very simple to solve, but like you can't find the exit, like there's a whole science and discussion around like how you actually do that. And the movie's essentially about that while at the same time being about capitalism. Um, it's, it's kind of a very nuanced, uh, uh dis not distance but like it's almost like capitalism and and class is is um tangential to like a much larger point um and i feel like that was always the case with movies that really focused on capitalism like we talked like i mentioned citizen kane like of course that movie's up the result of a capitalist structure but it's not necessarily about capitalism yeah. um lately movies are about capitalism <laughs> like parasite is very much about capitalism um even though i think there's a little more nuance in that movie to try than triangle of sadness triangle of sadness is so bluntly and openly about capitalism like the entire structure the carl's entire journey everyone he encounters is like just a very idiotic version of like a rich person <laughs> like dimitri is the king of shit like he's proud of it it's um and like you know woody harrelson thinks everyone's an idiot and he just like accepts that he has to like you know suck up to them it all of it is just um it's very blatant in a way that while as somebody who despises capitalism like 
I like it. <laughs> like, that's great. Like, tear down all the stupid people. On another level, like, I think it's the thing I struggle most with this movie because everything you're describing is so awesome. I really like the structure. I really like going after capitalism. But I kind of wonder how much bite the movie really has when, like, I wonder how deep the commentary is when the characters themselves within, like, a very impressive structure are just, like, stupid people, you know? Like, everyone, like, how much nuance does Carl really have? I guess Carl, he has the most nuance, so that isn't fair. I, I actually kind of like his character, but, like, Dimitri. <laughs> like, what does he really represent to Carl if, like, he's just an idiotic rich guy, you know? It's the kind of the thing I keep coming back to in this movie where, like, I look at things like Nightcrawler, and I'm like, that is such a deep character study that then allows the capitalism talk to have so much more vigor and power Citizen Kane, obviously, like, because that character is so strong, because all of the characters in Extraordinary Angel are are so well-colored and designed, like, that to me helps the message strike, where in this movie, I'm kind of like, I'm just really looking at the structure of it and impressed on all the different things it's trying to say, but I kind of wonder how well it's saying all those different things. I get that i part of me as you're describing like when you started and you're talking about the the satire element like uh -huh. there's clearly that satire element but then part of me is also wondering like there's such subtlety to a lot of the characters especially in the beginning before mm. we get to the yachts and even somewhat in the aftermath or like some of the crew on the yachts. Um, not everybody is such a caricature. And it makes me wonder, like, instead of viewing someone like Dimitri as like a satirical over the top character, are we supposed to read it more as literal? Like there are very much these like Dimitris, like there are these Veras that make this request. Like I'm thinking back to, I mean, I've been, around like a ton of like that kind of wealth but just thinking like you know when we go to sundance some of the people that we see mm -hmm. or yeah right um like when we went to that one party at sundance some of the people that we saw for sure yeah that they're there it's, they exist they're, they're there they exist and it's like <laughs> like yeah or like winston and clementine are a little like i think winston and clementine are probably the most like they were the ones I was thinking of as you, as you were saying all this. Because, like, they're so over the top. They're so over the top. Like, I can believe Dimitri. I can even believe, um, whatchamacallit, uh, Woody Harrelson as the captain. Mm -hmm. um, but Clementine and Winston are the two with them just, like, picking up the grenade and being like, this is one of ours. Yeah, right. And then it blowing up. That is where it starts to, like, tip a little to me to where I'm like, yeah, yeah. But... I think with the way that like Abigail's characters handled with the way some of the other characters are handled, that there is that degree of like enough realism that it's, there's an acceptance of like, yeah, the Dimitris do exist like as over the top as he feels or as disconnected mm. as Vera feels as like excessive as they might seem. Yeah. These are real I people. I, I don't necessarily deny that 
like Dimitri almost could just be somebody's uncle that I've met before. Like he's just like an eccentric guy. Um, but I'm thinking more of like what the movie actually focuses on and like mm. what we actually hear them talk about and the way they're presented. Like, I just can't help but feel this movie starts to feel a little misanthropic. Like all Oslin is saying is like people are stupid and annoying and terrible. <laughs> and Carl's just kind of caught up in it. Like he he's ends up being kind of a sympathetic character. As I, I think you pointed that out in your article, like he, he's kind of stuck amidst all these like terrible people. Um, and again, all about satire, all about making fun of people, <laughs> of, of rich people, of people who believe in capitalistic structures. And like, I'm all for going after that mentality. Um, I think it just might be more of a personal thing to me that I'm like, is are these characters actually handled in the most interesting way? Because again, I compare it to something like the exterminating angel where they're all those characters are so ridiculous and so over the top in a way that doesn't bother me because like it comes to define who they are so well and their dynamics off each other, like the, what they create all together adds up to something like lively and in the moment and telling, um, towards this, like, Maybe it's just like the nature of the movie and what Austin's going for in the structure. Like it's much more sprawling, like people are sprinkled throughout and they're all very much their own people and who they are as their own people are just like, they're just sometimes kind of dumb to me. Like, like I'm less, I wish I could be more impressed by it, but I, I wonder like how deep is the commentary really when Dimitri is just like the king of shit? Like that kind of is all I need to know about him, you know? Yeah, I guess I would, I my counter to that would be like, I don't know if it's about the people so much as the structures mm -hmm. and that it's not saying like, look how dumb like Dimitri is and he's wealthy, but more so like, what's it mean in this system that somebody like Dimitri can become a king of something that's true yeah and what's that say about the system mm. and that it's the characters are less of the emphasis than the situations that they find themselves in i'm not saying that makes it better that mm -hmm. you have like anybody would have to suddenly be like oh i i have to like it now yeah but right. just if the issue is the the characters maybe there's more richness or like a superficiality of the characters maybe there's more like depth and richness to find if the frame is it that the focus is on the people mm -hmm. so much as Aslan saying like these systems allow this kind of behavior from this kind of person but in this other system you get this kind of behavior from this person right. and is that conversation interesting enough? Um, yeah. Yeah. I've totally thought about that. And you're totally, I completely agree with you. Like if that is the driving point of the conversation, like we're just looking at what these characters represent. Um, I do think that's an interesting conversation and I'm, I'm happy to talk about it like on this podcast, like this is nice, like gaining some insight into the movie, but while watching but it, yeah. yeah, but watching it, like, I think that's what it comes back to for me is like, not to keep comparing it to Exterminating Angel, because <laughs> I feel like nobody who's listening to this has ever seen it. Uh, you should see it. But like the act of watching that, like being caught up in that movie, like 
that to me becomes like the driving force of me understanding what it's talking about and being invested in the commentary where like if all the characters of this movie if they're merely meant to be situational and representative of something and just part of a commentary and not actual people that i get to know and understand like to me that's where a movie can move me can really can heighten something can stir something up with me and unearth this these feelings i didn't know i had to whereas like this is just like you know i already don't like capitalism <laughs> i'm on board with thinking dimitri's like that the, i know dimitri's of the world probably exist i guess um like people can make their wealth this way uh so i guess what i mean when i say like satire and like speaking to the stupidity of people like all that's being pointed out are these things that are meant to alert me to aspects of the world, aspects of capitalism. But as somebody, I guess, I mean, I read a lot about capitalism because I hate it. And I guess I just wonder like how much I'm actually gleaning from this movie is my ultimate point. I get that. I can, I do want to make a statement for anybody that's like pedantic like mm -hmm. me and <laughs> say i think we we're using capitalism as kind of a shorthand for like sure. economic structures yeah yeah like class. the like the island situation is not like capitalism true yeah um and so much like carl and yaya at the beginning it's not as focused on capitalism it's more like the relationship within a system but once yeah. we get to the yacht it's much more like i mean that's what the captain is debating specifically yeah. with dimitri is like capitalism versus uh, it's not necessarily communism, right? But it's like just Marxism. Other, yeah, Marxism, other forms of like establishment. So the movie, while capitalism does come under siege from Triangle of Sadness, it's really like a criticism or even like making the point that all structures have inherent strengths and weaknesses where some people benefit and some people don't. Mm -hmm. And that fluidity is fascinating to me because on the one hand it almost like tears down the idea of the grass is always greener mm -hmm. and it's like well depending there's no perfect system there's no it's almost like the movie to me is making a case there's no utopia uh, that yeah. everything has these like pros and cons to it where someone rises and someone falls mm. and that's just based on the inherent idea of like resources and leadership and who we look up to and how that all plays out yeah i guess i'm someone that that can be enough for me for sure yeah like i don't as much as like character journeys can really like impact me uh especially in something like fucking atonement um there's there's a movie like this where like i don't need jarmo and dimitri and the captain to really have like meaningful arcs or characterization right. or there's just something to the fact of like the emotional catharsis i get is kind of in the recognition of this these systems that I'm a part of and extrapolating like this commentary of who we are 
in these different situations to my own life and who I've been in different situations that I've been in. Yeah. Right. Um, that makes like this kind of movie, like a very rich experience for me. Yeah. And I mean, I don't necessarily not feel that way either. It's, it's not like I need a long winding character arc for Dimitri. Like he kind of <laughs> is who he is. Um, again, I think it's just more of the presentation, like what, we know about him and like how he's presented. I mean, the most we get from him and in my mind and more of what I'm looking for is the whole debate he has with Woody Harrelson. Um, that's pretty fascinating. Uh, it, well, it's inherently fascinating. I, maybe that scene went on a little bit too long. Um, but I, I, and maybe that's actually speaking to my point as well, is that like the, the contrast they share, the debate they have, like, that's really interesting to me. Like that's where I can get to know them. And like, that's what can give the commentary some richness, but it just drags on for so long. And I don't think what they're talking about, like evolves enough to something new that like, I think more is being said again. It's just like, to me, it's more of a stylistic issue of this movie. Like the way it goes about these points, it's a two and a half hour movie. Like it, it really spends a lot of time with this stuff. And for a movie spending this much time with all those elements, like I guess I just expect it to have a little bit more depth. And it's got, not the the depth is there just because like it's covering so much. I guess maybe that's my point is like it's touching so many different elements that I kind of wonder like how deep is it actually hitting all these different elements um, as opposed to something like Citizen Kane, again, like I, I keep thinking of all these movies, like they don't have to directly be about capitalism or about economic structures to make a larger commentary about economic structures. Like they they focus on these like little bits like Nightcrawler. It's this this fascination with becoming um, the the head videographer in the city of like of getting in with the, the news network there. Like if you just focus on that, like so much commentary is then extracted from that to economic structures and capitalism and like how it drives people. And so for me, I guess this movie, it all just comes down to like a stylistic issue. Hmm. I, I see that I keep, I'm debating back and forth on how I feel about that. Cause I almost think if you come back to just the, who we are in each system point, mm -hmm. then it, does kind of stick to just like the one topic and drills down on that. But mm. there's so much that it brings into that conversation. I'm trying to hmm. sort out how I feel about that. It'd be like if Nightcrawler had introduced us to like four other potential Nightcrawlers that were <laughs> like all vying for the same spots or went from, hmm, that's interesting. I, I think, you know it's it's a matter of perspective like the way you just described it I'm, I'm now wondering like could i have watched the movie that way like if i watched it again would i see it with a new light would i would i see more specificity in the commentary and like everything happening around that specificity is just like kind of driving home more of a, a single point um and if that is the case again carl is like yeah he's the epicenter of all that like he kind of represents what the system means to just a regular person like you or me that's kind of like caught within it and wonders what their place is within it yeah i you know low-key 
my favorite we both talked about how we love the carl and yaya uh yeah. section at the beginning i think the thing that stands out to me the absolute most and you kind of got at this earlier is specifically the scene where he's at the fashion yaya's fashion show um well it's not Hirsch, <laughs> but she's in the show she's in it yeah when they make him lose his seat because he's more <laughs> hilarious <laughs> by the way right these more important people arrive which causes the other people to get up and then they ask everybody to move down and then he's just like without a seat and they're like you go sit up here so he went from having this really nice spot to getting pushed out to like a lower tier and the contrast between that and when he goes and complains about the guy in the ship who's shirtless yeah just because yaya thought he was attractive and gets that guy fired and just that switch in power dynamic <laughs> makes me so happy <laughs> so happy yeah man i mean speaking about there there are plenty of other things i like in this movie for sure but thinking about like how dragged out that conversation is between Dimitri and the captain and like how long the puking and shitting goes on (laughs) the Island scene in general, which I can't say it was probably like the part of the movie that lost me the most. Like the beginning to me is that to me is gripping, you know? I mean, we only have two characters. Like it's a little easier for me to get invested in them because like they're the only people I see. Um, But I, I was very much entranced by their relationship and like everything it was seemingly setting up. It's maybe that's more of what my movie experience was is like, I was so intrigued by what it was. And then like, as it stretched out, like it felt like it was saturating a little bit to me. I could see that. Like the dynamic between them, while it continues to be something you can point to, especially like the dissolution at the end and him going off with Abigail, there's still something about like, how that relationship dynamic gets diffused a bit Mm. uh being part of everything else that if that was the thing that was like really hooking up front it feels like it ends with a little bit of a a whimper in some ways yeah you know as we're talking about it though i mean i came into this episode like kind of on the fence about the movie um, and the only reason I think the, the root of me taking any digs at it is just that like, all I can't help but compare it to like every other movie that kind of has similar themes. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're all just doing more, especially the exterminating angel. Go watch it. Um, <laughs> what, by the way, just a side note, the exterminating angel was originally, it had some other title, like, um, the, sh- something to do with like a shipwreck. Like it was like basically kind of the same thing as triangle of sadness that these people are stuck on this island in quotes and don't know how to get out um so they actually have very similar not similar structures i guess because they're kind of completely different movies but what they're going for is very similar Um, core concept yeah um but you know as we're sitting here and i'm thinking about it you know even the island scene where i'm like yeah that's kind of my least favorite part there is a lot that happens on that island scene like 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 uh jarmo killing the donkey (laughs) like like you do get like a little moment with him and like how difficult it is for him to like 
do this thing he's never had to do before. Like he, he's just a rich guy and everyone does everything for him. Like suddenly he's forced to kill a donkey or whatever uh, that thing was. <laughs> it was a donkey. Yeah. Um, yeah, I guess it, it, that Carl and Yaya, like that does, it extends out so much like that when I take a broad look at it, it seems like too much, but there are a lot of little moments on the ship and on that island that seem to be, that offer some sort of catharsis that, that, that feel climactic to where, like what direction Carl was heading as he like kind of went out into the world and got a better sense of like the economic system and his place in it. And like what you have to do when you're pushed in certain directions, like, Gosh, maybe this movie is just too complicated for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as you're describing that, there is like a much more literal movie where Carl and Yaya are just models and she's more successful at the beginning and he eventually gets brought into another role that's like less about how talented he is and more mm. about his looks and ends up like, leaving yaya because of the benefits he gets and his career starts like taking off in a way that hers isn't as she's like kind of forgotten in a way yeah right um that's far more just like not what this movie like the yeah. same beats but very different uh exploration of them but like jarmo having that moment with the donkey like dimitri and nelson like their dynamic on the islands, yeah. like very interesting. Yeah. And just like the communication issues that come up with, um, oh, what's. Oh, Therese. Therese. And the guy trying to sell her things. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty good. And like he's completely oblivious to her, like her being in a shipwreck state, just looking like there's no humanity from him towards her. It's yeah. just like she's a potential sale, and when she's not interested, he completely goes away. There's, mm, this, there are a ton of like little things. The exterminating angel. It was based on a play called The Castaways of uh, the uh, Calais de la Providence. Castaway. I was like, I knew it's a C word that has to do with being shipwrecked. I don't know why I couldn't think of it. Yeah. So Castaways of Calle de Providencia. Um. I. By the way, I feel like you should speak to the very end of the movie um, because what you wrote about it was great. And when I watched it, it's funny because what you described like is kind of inherent. Like you get it, I guess, as you watch it. And I, I felt some sort of power when I was watching it, but I, I couldn't quite identify it. But after reading what you wrote, it kind of became like my favorite part. Yeah, it was one of the things that excited. So, okay. <sighs> the ends, I mean, I feel like people know the end if they've watched it, but Carl... Carl is left behind as Yaya and Abigail go on a hike and there's tension because he's become like Abigail's mistress <laughs> and he's still in a relationship with Yaya. So he's like a little worried about like what's going to happen. Um, are they going to talk or are they going to like be mad at him or is something going to happen between them? There's just like a lot of tension between the three of them at that point. Yeah. And so Carl's like left behind as they go on the hike. And then eventually Yaya and Abigail discover that they're on 
this island where there's a resort and it's just an elevator ride to escape and that's it they can be rescued things will be good they'll return to the like the old <laughs> world mm. their previous lives and abigail takes a step of killing yaya because abigail doesn't want to go back yaya does because back in the other place yaya was this model she had a claim esteem abigail was a cleaner on the ship yeah she had no esteem like she was not the leader of this island colony <laughs> um so it's very dramatic between them but then we pick up suddenly with carl sprinting through the woods and just like tearing off in the jungle and you're seeing that he's like whipped by these tree branches and it's like cutting him and it's not like a casual i'm gonna go for a jog it's a desperate <laughs> headlong uh fleeing yeah through this jungle and the movie ends and we're kind of left like what's carl doing <laughs> yeah um and you know there are people that want like the literal like what's carl doing and with that answer, some think that maybe he heard Yaya scream and went like running to save her, hmm. or maybe like Abigail told him what happened and he's like taking off, like something caused it. But I think the it doesn't necessarily matter in that way what like the precipitating factor is. Uh, to me, it's just like he's trying to escape. He's been caught in these various systems from the start of the movie that he was uncomfortable in. Um, first, it's like the casting call, and then it's the model show, and then it's the or the fashion show, and then it's like dinner with Yaya. And then on the yacht, we see that he has power, but he's still uncomfortable in that situation. Even with power, he's uncomfortable yeah. a little bit with like how to wield it, the consequences of wielding it. And then on the island he is completely dehumanized and valued only for his physical qualities. It's in some ways going right back to being a model, but a lot more degrading in some ways that he's just like selling out his body for like access. And so there's something to the idea that he finally couldn't handle being in these situations and is fleeing these systems which then starts to represent the fact that there's part of all of us that kind of maybe wants to f yeah. flee a little bit from these systems and structures that we find ourselves like put into again and again just based on the sheer fact of being alive and being somewhere and how frustrating and stressful and dehumanizing that can be so carl's like fleeing from this thing kind of in some ways represents this escape that we all kind of want or feel like we want from these stresses that we have based on the situations and the economic structures the political structures all of that that we find ourselves in both on like the large like global national state city local scale but even in like the interrelationships in our in our lives and the way in which that dictates who we are who we can be what we can be yeah yeah i mean all very well put it's it, again like I, at the end of the movie I, like 
I knew I was experiencing something powerful and like I knew there was such energy to it that like I was really captivated by it. Um, and I think everything you said is kind of inherent. Like we probably all just relate to what's happening to him in that moment. Uh, but to be able to put it in the words like that, like really does crystallize what the movie's going for. And again, like there's such energy to that moment that it, it does speak a little bit to like what I wish the movie had more. Like, I guess you could make the argument that the whole movie kind of has that energy and is like all a part of that. Like Carl is always like kind of running. <laughs> um, but that the end, I mean, to make another comparison to the exterminating angel, like to me, the whole movie kind of has that energy and actually ends very similarly. Similarly, um, I don't think I'm giving away too much. Like in the movie, they eventually get out of the room. That shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Um, but how they get out of the room. Like, I feel like the whole philosophy of that movie is actually very similar to Triangle of Sadness um, and that nothing is stopping these people from leaving the room. Like, there is no force. There's nothing magical happening. Like, they just don't go. They don't realize that the answer to their problem is sitting right in front of them and that they just have to, like, walk out. Um, and the, the manicness of them, like, as they, like, are like trying to figure out how to leave and then they, they are able to finally leave and they like run out of the house uh, to me reminds me of what Carl's going through, how you can just like, you're so caught up in something for so long and it's so manic and so crazy and makes no sense that at the end, like you just have to like, you just have to run. <laughs> you just go away. You just run in any direction that takes you away from it. It's, it's a, it's the kind of ending that gets me jazz because like, I like, endings like this that don't necessarily provide plot resolution but provide such profound resolution to the themes yeah. and uh the mentality and these kind of universal issues anybody is struggling with like it just represents something inherent to us uh which i love um and again i i just wish there was more of that throughout the movie but the fact that it, it's able to exist at the end of the movie and have so much meaning, I think does speak to the movie, to the movie's success that like it does communicate what it's going for enough and has enough nuance throughout that this kind of it can have that kind of impact. Yeah, right. Which I think that's definitely something to judge a movie on something. I need to rewatch it. I haven't watched it since theaters the ghost rider oh yeah that? polanski yeah i hated the first isn't that like a two hour 40 minute movie or something oh gosh i i don't know if it's that long um <sighs> it but... felt that long <laughs> um it was 128 minutes yeah okay um so just over two hours but for like an hour and 40 minutes i was sitting there like wanting to just bash my head against the seat in front of me because I was so like bored and frustrated by the movie. But the last the end 10 great. minutes. Yeah. were so profound to me. And the final like shot was so profound to me that it completely flipped my experience with the movie to where I was like, did I actually love that? Like, was that actually really good? And I, just wasn't putting right. the pieces together until the end. I feel end. like that's happened to me before. Yeah. I was looking up if anybody else had made the connection between uh, Exterminating Angel and mm. uh, Triangle of Sadness. And the first thing that came up was Armin White's. 
talking about it <laughs> and being like, Ocelin bungles the political, spiritual, and moral lessons wow. of such classics about chaos as Exterminating Angel, La Ventura, and Godard's The Weekend. Or just Weekend, not The Those weekend. are actually good comparisons. Yeah. It, in the sense that, like, again, I think that speaks to what I was maybe disappointed about this movie is it felt a little one note to me that it was just about economic structures and not that it is just about that but it's like it's such an overwhelming force in this movie that like it's what your mind goes to whereas like exterminate angel la ventura and weekend like it's so much bigger than that and it is about being wrapped up in chaos um that like any movie about somebody being wrapped up in chaos can ultimately be a commentary on somebody being wrapped up in economic systems like there's something universal about it um but Anyway, it doesn't surprise me that Arnold White doesn't like this movie because everything he every all of his everything he hates is purely political. Like this is such a liberal movie that I'm sure that drove him nuts. Yeah, he called it Parasite Part Two. Yeah, I mean, it these days like there have just been so many. We didn't even begin to touch the surface of capitalism movies or economic movies going on these days. Like there's so many. Yeah, I think I would push back against like it being about chaos because i feel like economic system like the systems that are in place aren't chaotic at all it's like the structures are very clear and the dynamics are very clear it's just like chaos kind of enters into the picture at one point in this movie and ups right. like upends a system but i feel like even that isn't necessarily chaos so much as like weakness of the system yeah hmm. maybe chaos is too strong of a word but because it's uh, not okay. necessarily like la ventura there's chaos like somebody just goes missing and then like there's like existential dread going on yeah yeah uh man i love antonioni oh, um man, yeah. okay wait exterminating angel or discreet charm of the bourgeois uh, the both <laughs> it, it basically discreet charm of the bourgeoisie is uh, an extension of exterminating angel except it's much more that's much more of a satire like all of those characters are just so stupid and ridiculous and like keep getting caught up in like dreams and like don't know what reality is like it's such a fever dream of a movie so you prefer exterminating angel man i love both of those movies um, I think I would say I prefer the exterminating angel. Okay. I like, I thought I was going to love discreet charm and I didn't. Mm. Um, that movie. I feel like that's a tough one to find your in with. Like it's, it's almost actively trying to make you not like it. <laughs> yeah. I love that era of cinema of just like weird modernist, like postmodern, like bullshit. Yeah. Um, what's the last year at Marion Bad? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, discreet charm. Like, uh, even um, what's the Chris Marker film? Um, well, they're sunless. Um, it's or it's San Salil, whatever it's. Yeah, is that pronounced. is that the one with the time traveler? Isn't that that one? I think so. I haven't seen a lot of Chris Marker movies. Oh, oh, La Jete. Yeah, La Jete. Okay. Of course, yeah. Uh, the, sorry, I was thinking of like, I don't know why I wasn't thinking of short movies, so I just didn't even enter my my 
my thought process. I feel like the the DVD I got of that was like Sans Salil and La Jete, like double feature. Probably, yeah. So I always get like which one's which confused in my mind. But like that area of films, like even Weekend is one that I'm just like, this is so bizarre and amazing. <laughs> Did, didn't you and I watch Weekend together? Yeah, I think in Iowa at one point. Yeah. I was just like, we have to That's watch this. That's a wild movie. Yeah, it's cool. Um, but it's one that like on my like fourth or fifth watch, I found myself like a little less engaged with <laughs> fourth or fifth. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I was one of the ones that was like in rotation where I was just like working on other things that have a movie playing in the background. Sure. And eventually I got to the point where I was looking and I was just like, eh. <laughs> I feel like, again, Godard, he, he's another person where like he's almost daring you to not like the movie he's made. Like those movies are just a little harder to penetrate. It's funny to me that you would watch that movie so many times. Yeah. I mean, it also, I'm sure makes sense in a way that that would be the one that I like, gravitated to. <laughs> I need to watch some of these other ones. Man, well, so Armand White to watch. Suck, sucked us down a rabbit hole there. Yeah. He really, really did. Big so, fan of him, but uh, I don't know. I would have to read what he wrote about this. A, he called him a misanthrope. Oh, really? Yeah, but he he added and a fraud, which feels a bit intense. <laughs> that feels uh, very misanthropic of Armand White to say, <laughs> like a little unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I feel like I haven't. I definitely haven't enjoyed his writing as of late as much. Um, I kind of liked him earlier on when he was like, he was such a, he was almost like a protege of Pauline Kale. Like I liked his energy, but. Uh, Sometimes these days I just don't really enjoy what he writes. Yeah. It happens. Can't agree all the time. But, okay. Any other thoughts on Triangle? Um, The only other thing I'll say is, as much as I don't like watching puking and shitting in movies, I actually thought that whole scene was was interesting. Again, went on too long. I didn't need to see that much puke and shit. Um, But I thought it was really interesting that, like, it was such a great little symbol of like this boat crashing or this boat just being filled with all these rich people's vomit and and excrement just because like the captain chose this night the worst night of all to have the dinner and because the food sat out because one of the rich people wanted to like drag all the people away and make them go in the water like there's there's just such catharsis to that scene and like as the punishment for all these people and the way they are that i i enjoyed yeah, there's like the concept, fantastic, but I'm also somebody that's like I have a very like <laughs> low ceiling uh, when it comes to my like entertainment value gained from yeah. like gross out humor. Um, like I don't know if I've ever laughed at like a fart joke <laughs> in my life. Uh, <laughs> So as much as I like love and adore this movie, even I was just like, that seems a little too long. And the Woody Harrelson and Dimitri conversation, I was also just like, "Eh." I get it. Yeah. On the one hand, I do love when things like won't end. (laughs) (laughs) Like I have a dream that there's going to be a movie where at some point you get two people that reach like a, a point where one won't budge and the other won't either like they're at that much of a like a i'm not giving an inch and neither will you 
and the last like 30 minutes is just them staring at each other waiting for <laughs> one of them to like break that's um, neon genesis evangelion had a moment like that uh near the very end of the show there's a, a moment where a character has to kill another character and like the other character wants them to do it it's like you need to kill me in order for this to happen like i'm sorry that this is like your destiny but like you have to and the other person is just like i don't want to like i refuse to do this uh like don't make me do this and there's just this moment i think it's like three minutes where you just see like the other character who's in a giant mech holding the other character in the hand and they're just looking at each other no cuts no dialogue just like staring and they're not even like moving <laughs> and then finally the fist closes <laughs> and oh, i love it so much uh so i really love these like extended dramatic things but eh. <laughs> yeah speaking of um things that won't end that actually speaks to why i love the discrete term the bourgeoisie because throughout that movie people keep you watch this whole like wild scene play out and then somebody wakes up from sleeping and you realize like <laughs> everything you've seen is a dream and it happens so many times in the movie that it's like it just becomes hilarious to me and it becomes part of the commentary too like you don't know what you're watching is is real like what's imagined um but the fact that it happens so many times i'm just like man Louis Boonwell is the fucking master. Yeah, I didn't. It's gonna sound stupid, and I shouldn't like admit this out loud, but I didn't realize he did Viridiana until oh, yeah. just like a little bit ago. He, well, you know, he had such a strange career because he started out very experimental. Um, I'm gonna butcher the pronunciation of that movie. First movie he made like Unchin Andalou. Like it's a famous short film and it's very provocative. So like he made a lot of provocative movies early on. And then for 20 years when he was in Mexico, when he moved to Mexico, he made like very straightforward movies like Viridiana, like has maybe some more surrealist elements, but like it's kind of a little more straightforward than something like the discreet charm of the bourgeoisie or the exterminating angel where like, and then at the last part of his career, he like, he just let loose and made these very abstract, like bizarre movies. So like, it's kind of hard to know, like, I'm not surprised <laughs> that you would be confused, but that you wouldn't know like which movies he made. Yeah, that would, <laughs> I guess that would do it. I like Viridiana was one that we watched in college in film class. Yeah, for sure. It's a film and, class movie. Yeah. 1000%. I just don't remember us ever talking about like, the filmmaker right it was all about the the scenes yeah. and the discussion but not like extending into bunel and like who, what he was doing and how he was doing it was more just like do you see the commentary being made by having uh hmm. like the the homeless man like in this place like having this party yeah all the kind of analytical stuff he's great everyone go check him out he did Robinson Crusoe too. He did a lot. He did it just so in that 20 year period where he made Viridiana, like he just made so many more straightforward movies, like not straightforward in the sense that like they're just plain and ordinary, but like straightforward in the <clears throat> like film class kind of way <laughs> where like these are the kind of movies that like 
lovers of art appreciated back then and the kind of movie you saw more often. Hmm. It's funny how this is like a little like nerdy writer thing. Looking at his titles, the way which his titles like became a lot more excessive. Yeah. Where at the beginning, it's like the golden age, magnificent casino, like adjective noun combos. Right. The great madcap. Uh, usually that's like pretty standard for the title of something. It's like the noun, adjective noun, or um, the article like the. Yeah thing um you don't it's become more popular to have uh phrases or yeah why am i blanking on it starts with a p (laughs) and it's a thing that connects like against the the frame above the floor prepositional phrases okay uh to have like kind of the preposition for a title but by the end, like he just starts getting into all of these like longer titles: "Death in the Garden," "That Is the Dawn," "Rehearsal for uh, for a Crime," uh, "The Discreet Charm," "The Phantom of Liberty," "The Obscure Object of Desire," like these very extended, like elongated titles, which I think kind of flow well with some of the the dreaminess and absurdity. Yeah, even the Milky Way is like title has such power and has seemingly nothing to do with the movie because like it's just about like these poor dudes wandering <laughs> wandering like it's not like it has nothing to do with the actual milky way oh it's part of a trilogy that's interesting yeah it was i feel like back then like so many movies were trilogies in quotes that like they all had common themes and they were made around the same time man i just need to do a deep dive yeah he's great uh, were we talking about another movie at some point? <laughs> I don't know. We, we've, we've come so far. Was it some tr- like square of destitution? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just making like we got so far away from Triangle of Sadness. Oh, oh, oh. right, right, right. Feels like. <laughs> um, I mean, the response to Triangle of Sadness, I think, has been pretty good. Oh, yeah. It seems that people have like enjoyed it, respected it, been confused by it, but I've seen more like wow, positive commentary for it than negative commentary. I guess I guess I do understand the confusion in the sense of like Carl running at the end, of course, like you see that and you're like, "Wait, what was this movie about?" Um but I maybe that's one thing I kind of appreciated about the movie is to me it's kind of straightforward about what it's i mean there's depth to be found of course in the structure and you wrote about like the depth so obviously there's more there but like i i kind of like when movies just tell me what they're about (laughs) i I don't want to have to like this sounds bad for somebody who who runs a film site that explains movies but like i don't want to think about them too much (laughs) like i i'd like to be cued into like what the movie's doing so i can then dig in and find the nuance of how it's expanding on that message so i appreciated that about this movie (laughs) <laughs> that it, it gave you some inroads rather than just yeah. like, hey, go figure it out. I mean, kind of, yeah. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> <laughs> I, it does help. It is nice. Yeah. Um, I. It is a shame that, like, with the di- – like, how dynamic uh, Harris Dickinson and uh, Carby Dean were – it's mm-hmm. such a shame of what happened to Dean that she passed 
um, away before this movie really got to see the light of the day and get the praise and acclaim that she deserved for her work as Yaya. Wow, I did not know she died. Yeah, um, it was a... What was it? It was bacterial sepsis. Whoa, shit, that's terrible. Yeah, she had a... Her spleen had been removed from a car crash and that left her like at risk for infection and an infection happened. So it was like... I guess she had gotten... It happened in August. Um, so they had won the Palm d'Or at that point, but it was before the film really got to, like, release. Hmm. That's too bad. She She's really great in this movie. I know. She did such a an amazing job. Um, her and uh, Dahlia De Leon just kind of, like, yeah. stole the film in a lot of ways, even though, like... Harris as Carl really was kind of the core heart of the film. Like Carl being Dolly, just the way those characters developed and the tension they had at the end, the scene, the scene they share at the end, it felt like star making performances for all three of them. Dolly De Leon, she's gotten a lot of recognition, I think. Yeah. She's definitely like been getting talked about a lot more than I think, Carl has probably yeah but she arrives with such force when she finally arrives like I yeah on it's a rewatch, scene stealer yeah like on rewatch it was funny realizing she was the one that came into the room yeah. uh when Carl and Yaya are in bed and she's totally. like hey and they're like get out of here <laughs> and then for her to be the one in bed with Carl and Yaya knocking on the door it's a really right. nice like yeah you're making me like this movie good <laughs> i do um, i definitely i appreciate it to the point where like i'd be interested to watch it again maybe not anytime soon but like i'd be interested to watch it again to see if it captivated me more yeah do so do so do so do so but i think this is one that's gonna have legs for a little bit like, oh I think yeah it's, it's already on criterion like it kind of has that parasite energy like it's so relevant and has so and it's trying to do so much that like there's a lot to talk about and write about yeah well beautiful any last thoughts any last words mm, no just uh, go check out filmcolossus.com we're doing crazy good work over there yeah you know it's good it's crazy it's crazy good it's good yeah. crazy um, and if you want to listen to the show without ads you can Support us on patreon.com slash film colossus. Um, three bucks a month and you don't have to listen to whatever ads are being inserted in here. I don't even know what they are. What a wonderful, what a wonderful thing that is. <laughs> it's a steal. It's a deal. Uh, okay. You got anything for me? No, just we'll have another episode talking about another movie soon. Yeah. What is it going to be? Last time we said it was going to be prisoners and it wasn't. So like you can't even trust us if we named a movie. Yeah, I mean, maybe this time it's prisoners. Maybe. We'll, we'll just say for now it's prisoners, uh, but there's an 80% chance it won't be. I like the idea that we just keep saying it's prisoners and never do prisoners. <laughs> I don't mind that because I don't want to watch that movie again. <laughs> I do. <laughs> I do for the sake. You know, I take that back. I don't mind watching it again if it means I get to trash it. Oh, oh, no. 
Oh, no. Okay, well, <laughs> it'll be another debate episode. Yeah, get some things off my chest about Villanueva. Or Villa... Vill- how do you say it? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Oh, God, I'm terrible. I shouldn't complain about it if I can't even say his name right. That's right. All right, fair enough. Up your name game. <laughs> That's a good way to end this. <laughs> Got a big question to ask. Anything? Do you want to do You know when you're trying to think of a song but just can't quite remember the name? Well, using weed in your teens can make you forget things you want to remember. Want proof? Check out the facts at mindovermarijuana.com. That's mindovermarijuana.com. Sponsored by the California Department of Public Health.